Is there hope this morning? Yeah. Yeah, God is amazing. He's always good. He never lets us go, but sometimes we let him go. And then we confuse that for God not loving us or caring about us or wondering where God is when all the, all the while he was right there. So th this has been a big week at the Peterson house because last Sunday we started with baptizing. We were supposed to baptize 12, and we ended up with about 25. Powerful things happened last Sunday. If you missed it, I would say you missed the most powerful day since we've been in this building. It was amazing. It was, it was incredible to see those who had come to Christ and, and wanted to obey God through baptism. And then my wife and I um, went through, she went through surgery Friday morning to remove uh, a lump from her breast that is cancerous and came through it well in this here this morning and doing good. So, yeah. And, and do you know what? What we experienced during that whole thing was a confirmation that God is good and so are you. The body of Christ is amazing. It's like wherever we go, whatever we're doing, if we're in the hospital, if we're at a wedding, wedding reception last night with the, many of the rock people, it's sweet. It's really sweet. So we love you. Thank you for your encouragement during this week as, as Becky had surgery, and we're positive. That's done now. That's over with, yeah. So, and then another highlight was after the wedding yesterday, uh, some missionaries that, that um, are missionaries to China and have lived in Beijing for years are in town, and Becky asked me after she went on the trip to China with the ladies, because a bunch of our ladies have actually been there and met the Latourses, and this is Sam and Penny Sue. I always want to say Penny Joe or Penny Bobby or Penny something else. And then they're always saying, no, it's Penny Sue. That's a good southern name, isn't that? Penny Sue, come on now, get some grits up here. My, oh, she's a, oh, she a nice lady. You know, you all know that, don't you? If you, if you move down south, you find out real quickly, you got to say y'all. Y'all. Say it with me. Y'all. 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 Yeah. And if we move down there today and you said it like that, they'd be laughing. Because <laughs> we just don't have it. You having a good day, Steve? <laughs> he looked real somber, so I thought, make him laugh. All right. So the Laturzas are missionaries to China and home now. Every four years is it that you come home on furlough. If you don't know anything about how missions works, they have to raise funds through churches and individuals so that they can go back for the next four years and minister to the Chinese people. And they love the Chinese people. They absolutely love them. Their three children now have grown up in China and are back in the United States so they go back this year all by themselves. Penny Sue says she's going to be crying when she gets on the airplane. And you know what Becky and I said after they, they were on our home last night? After the wedding reception, we went back to our house and, and had some cake and visited for a while. And um, Becky just said, these are the sweetest, most real people that just love God and, and love what they do for Christ. So we're going to get a taste of them this morning with a little video that they put together, but I want them to come up first, and you both got to come. They want to meet both of you, don't you? So how many ladies, while they're coming, just come on up here. Don't be embarrassed. 
This is a little church, very, very home, homegrown, cozy. And they're just like really, really sweet people. Um, how many of our ladies have actually gone? My wife's been there three, three years now. How many have gone with Becky to China and done the mission work? Please stand up if you're in the room, ladies. You've been to China and you went and it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing experience. You can have a seat. And I would say this, at the very end of the morning this morning, we are going to have two ushers at the doors. We're going to give them a loose change offering. Hopefully, there's a lot of money in your pocket. <laughs> and uh, because they're traveling across the country now on their own penny, going to churches, spending nights in hotels for six months straight or in people's homes, that's hard on you. No complaints. They're just awesome people. So you got to say a few words to us anyway. Hands it to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pastor told Sam he had 10 minutes last night, so I'll take about nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's including the video, <laughs> which is seven. You both have a minute and a half. <laughs> I just want you to know how awesome those ladies are that stood up. Um, we have had teams come before, and I, I'll tell you a secret, because y'all are a little church, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, your ladies are amazing. Yes. They come, and they're allowed one piece of luggage for their own things, and then one piece of luggage to bring for our kids. And um, Becky, I have gifts from the kids. They love these ladies and they always talk about when they're coming back and if you can love your ladies to the point that they come to China we thank you because lives are changed we have one little boy I'll tell about one little boy um, he fell in love with Becky and her team two years ago when Maria was there what year was that Maria Okay, 2016, they came. He, he fell in love with the ladies, but he didn't really understand the plan of salvation. He lives with his mommy and daddy, who are believers, and he just came to Sunday school, and he came to camp, and he, came, he just was there. And just before camp this year, he asked the Lord Jesus in his heart. And it came from a heart of what these ladies came and, and did. And he knew that there was a difference. And you're making a difference. If you don't even see the fruit when you're there, someday the Lord is going to give that fruit because he promises us that his word will not return void. So do what you can in your little Jerusalem. Do what you can in your family. Do what you can around the world because it's making a difference. We are very excited to be here um, and get to meet the husbands of the wives of, uh, that uh, came to see us and maybe boyfriends or, <laughs> or children or whatever it may be uh, because we know it's a sacrifice for them as well to allow their wives to come and to be a part of what we're doing in China. And we're excited that you all support them in giving them funds and allowing them to come. And as Penny Sue said, you might not see the fruit, they might not see it when they're there, but we have had people come to our church because of VBS. We have had people get saved because of VBS and baptized because of VBS. And 
Uh, the first time um, Becky came, we had a young man who got saved right around VBS time because of VBS, and then he came to church, and then his parents started seeing a change in him, so they came to church, and I had the privilege of baptizing all three of them on the same day. And uh, he's still serving the Lord. He's uh, at a Christian college in Florida. Uh, hopefully it's still standing. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, he's playing golf, and he's, and he's got a wonderful testimony for the Lord, and that's because of people like you who allow your wives to come to China and be a part of our ministry there. And the kids don't forget. When we tell them that there's, you know, Miss Becky's coming back with another group of ladies, they're excited, and uh, they want to be a part of that. Um, we have a video. We'll go ahead and <clears throat> we'll go ahead and show. It's a little glimpse of what we do in China. Um, I can tell you this: that persecution is real in China, uh, and it it's uh, getting worse and worse by the day. And so we don't know how much longer we have there. Um, the reason we are moving to a new city is because the two of the works we were working with in in Beijing, um, the police have shut down, and we just saw the dominoes falling our way. And so we said, "Okay, Lord, this is your." Time to us to move on and uh, continue this work in another city. Uh, and we're also doing work in um, southern China and trying to bring pastors in from Myanmar and from Laos to work with them as well. Because uh, it's not just about China, it's about God's word being shared. So, But please take a, a look at this video and uh, see some of the work that God's doing in China. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, right? So... As you're leaving today, you have an opportunity to give a free will offering gift. And if you're going to write a check, please write it to our church and we will send that on to them later rather than trying to figure out who to write it to. Well, this morning I called my, my words together double jeopardy. As we looked last week for the very first time at <clears throat> the great eight found in Romans chapter eight, there are at least eight great truths which lie in the scripture found in Romans 8. But the main emphasis there is that there is no condemnation. And I think that's really difficult for us to understand how that we can actually live this life with sin and yet God does not condemn us because we always have with us this enemy called the flesh. The flesh is always rising up and trying to attack us. And the enemy uses our, our flesh to fight spiritual battles in his own way. And every time he does, we lose. We end up losing and we wonder, why do I feel like I'm in this constant state of defeat? It's because we're not listening to God and his word, which we desperately need every single day. And we're listening to the enemy. As he whispers in your ear, you're okay. Everything's all right, because he knows the truth that there is now, therefore, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. If ever there was a time in our nation's history and the history of the world that things were up in the air and a bit frightening, it has to be now. We've just experienced two catastrophic hurricanes, one in Texas and one in Florida, that we're still trying to figure out how to fix. Some people are not in their homes. Some will not have power yet for another week. It's amazing to me to think how quickly things can change. You know what I'm saying? How quickly you're on this path somewhere and all of a sudden the greatest disappointment 
comes into your life. Just weeks ago, we had no idea that my wife would go to the doctor for a normal mammogram and come back as I walked into the house that day in tears and grab me and say, I have cancer. Those are catastrophic words. The staff, the four of us pastors and Ed, he's our sidekick, who gets married in three weeks. We're marrying everybody off here. We usually read a book together and then every morning we discuss what we've read for that day. And so we chose this book, The Last Arrow, by Erwin McManus, who is the pastor of Mosaic Church in California. And as he wrote the book over about a year's period of time, he had no idea that as he finished his manuscript, the preface of the book would be greatly changed because of what he personally was about to experience. And in the preface, he shares, I had my manuscript all finished, and I went to the doctor, and he said, you have stage four cancer, a short period of time to live. He had already written the book, and it was like God had not shared with him yet that he would have to experience what it is to go through stage four cancer. When the doctor's actually saying, you have a short period of time to live and preach the gospel. He went home that day with a different outlook on life. And what he came up with was kind of interesting to me because oftentimes I think we think of it differently than we ought to. His view of life after he found out that he had a short period of time to live was, don't have a single arrow left in your quiver that has not been used for the kingdom of God. In other words, don't waste a moment. It's not just missionaries who should be missionaries, is it? The Liturgists are not different from any of us. They're just like us. Just like us. Every day they encounter people that will be looking at them to see what their life story will tell them. And they happen to have a passion for the Chinese people. For me, it's the Vietnamese people. A lot of other people, but it's the Vietnamese people. I've been going there forever. And yesterday, even at the wedding rehearsal yesterday afternoon, I was somewhat shocked as I went over and sat down by Kevin, who's been to Vietnam four or five times with me. And he said that Min, our good friend that accepted Christ, that works at the same hotel we stay at all the time, said the hotel will be closing now in three months. We have made that hotel our mission field for the last several years. We've stayed there and seriously created relationships with all the employees there, and numerous ones have gotten saved while we were standing there, right in front of the Vietnamese. When I think of Viet Vietnam and China, I know China is very strict when it comes to not sharing the gospel, and I've been there numerous times, smuggled Bibles into China, I think Vietnam is worse. You're being watched constantly, every second. And we, as Christians that have gone there to share the gospel, have taken for granted the fact that God's protective hand has been over us, watching us around every bend. The devil will do everything that he possibly can to stop us from sharing our faith with others so that they too might know Christ as Savior. Last week was amazing is we brought in the baptismal tank and did it right here, baptism by immersion, 
And after I finished baptizing about 12 people, I just opened it up and one person came and another and another and another, most of whom have accepted Christ right here in Rock Church. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of the gospel. There are disasters all over the world taking place. We take for granted what we live in. All you have to do is pull up a picture of what Syria looks like, and you will be shocked at the simplest things that we take for granted, like water. Tastes good. Not everywhere. Not clean everywhere. So when you get to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, the scripture says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. It's like it's a two-sided door almost. It's like you've come to this place in your life where you need to understand what the gospel actually is. Not just the good news. What the gospel means is this, that when you are looking at this door, getting into heaven and how I, how I can have eternal life, not just a fire escape, not just a one-time deal, you are standing there at the door you are standing there at the door trying to think and understand what the gospel means, and it says that there is no condemnation. Most of us cannot fathom that. I can't. Because on a weekly and daily basis, we still sin. And it seems totally impossible that God could love us so much that he would declare us righteous or right with God, and that there would be no condemnation in my life. We're so good at condemning others and condemning ourselves. What we have in common with the Leturzas is that we grew up in the Baptist church. Becky's dad was a Baptist preacher. Her brother, her twin brother is a Baptist preacher. Her husband is a Baptist preacher. Oops, surprise. <laughs> and Baptist preachers stick with the gospel. We grew up where we gave invitations for people to accept Christ in the services. That is a foreign thing these days in contemporary churches because people don't want to insult other people. And I think the biggest insult to other people is this. You are not offering them the greatest opportunity that they could ever experience in that Jesus Christ offers no condemnation. You are free to take what he did on the cross as the payment for your sins, it's pretty amazing. And it all started way back there in the Garden of Eden. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I have commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed now is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken and dust you are and dust you will return. To dust you will return. I have this thing called life. It's very, very short. Very short. It's like a vapor. It, it disappears. And I have to decide what I'm going to do with my life. And one day I face this door of opportunity. Standing right before me is this door. And the Holy Spirit will be speaking to me and, or to you and say, you should, 
You should open that door because it offers eternal life to you. And beyond that, once you accept what Christ did on the cross, there is no condemnation. And as I said, and, and I, I grew up within the Baptist church with a lot of rules and a lot of regulations and a lot of condemnation. Yes, I get in trouble at Bible college for wearing bell-bottom pants. I got in trouble at Bible college for wearing wire rim glasses. Yeah, I got demerits for it. I went to an unbelievably conservative school. But it didn't hurt me. It actually made me realize None of those things made me a better person. None. Christ was my only hope. During this ordeal with my wife having to have surgery the other day, we have on our table something that you guys brought over. It's a little thing that says hope. And it's sitting on the kitchen table, and every time I look at it, I remember, there's hope. Oh, yeah. Listen to me, because I saw it already in the service. Some of you were shedding tears when we were singing. You know why? Because you can't even fathom the love of God. Love wins, not condemnation, not trying to correct somebody, not trying to point out people's faults, not beating them with the scripture, but loving them, and then offering them the greatest opportunity that they will ever have. It's right in front of them. It's right in front of you today. There's hardly a week that goes by at Rock Church where someone doesn't recognize the fact that God's after you. You're not after God. God is after you. You understand that? God is after you. He's in pursuit of you to change you so that you actually enjoy life, so that you actually come alive because you realize, wow, the power of sin has no control over me. I said this to the praise band before we sang this morning. Holiness is happiness. Yes, it is. Holiness is happiness. To live holy actually makes me happy. We as humans have to live with constant pain and things that we don't like because of the fall of mankind way back in the Garden of Eden. But I love what we're, Warren Wiersbe said years ago. I still have it in this paperback-bound set of notes. He says, we're free from the penalty of sin because Christ died for us. That's Romans chapter 5. We're free from the penalty of sin. We are free, secondly, from the power of sin because we died with Christ in the flesh, according to Romans chapter 6. We die when Christ comes inside of us. That is how you will know that you are a child of God today. It's not about getting baptized, but I, I said this last week, and I mean it I, honestly. Baptizing people has taken on a whole new meaning for me with all the people that have come to Christ over the last four years. At least 100 people in our church, adults, have accepted Christ. I baptized many last week, but it's taken on a whole new meaning for me because something powerful was happening with those who were being baptized last week. Their obedience released inside of them the power of the Holy Spirit to make them realize, I'm not condemned, I'm saved. I am saved. I have been, had my sins washed away. I am buried like him in death. I am raised to newness in life. I have a whole new spirit of God living inside me that has regenerated me into a new person. That's a shouting thing. Yeah. 
Is it not? You've been, oh, come on. How about a shout? And, I, and I, I can guarantee you, you could look at life much like Erwin McManus did and much like my wife did. When she was so positive that she was healed from day one, weren't you, hon? She's a Baptist girl that got kind of charismatic. Yeah. More. I didn't think that was possible. But there's something that happens to you when you find out that you have a terminal illness. Or when your spouse walks out on you. Or when your child walks away from God. There's something that happens. You can't say there's not. There is a French or fresh sense of a need of God. It's like it's so fresh to you, stirred up, like you don't know what to do. You have nowhere to turn but to God. And that's awesome. Yes, it is. It's awesome. My wife is such a witness. She talks to everybody. She's telling the doctor, the Lord is with me. And the doctor's looking at her like, okay, lady. She's just, she's praising the Lord as they're prepping her. And she's, they should just let her loose in the hospital. She'd evangelize the whole place. <laughs> she literally would witness to everybody in the whole place. Because there's this fresh need of God, which too many of us do not have. You know why you're bitter and you criticize all the time? You know why you have that critical attitude, judgmental spirit toward other people? It's because you don't need God enough. Yeah. And if you continue to do that, I can assure you that if God loves you, he'll send you something that'll make you really, really need him. I need him. Do you need him? Yes. And even when cancer comes into your life, you can say most assuredly, this is good. Ready? Whatever you're experiencing, yes, I'm positive that every Sunday people walk through those doors in hope of finding something. You came today and the summer took you away. Yes? It, nobody's going to admit that. <laughs> it took you away from God and where you need to be. You know what else God does? Wearsby says this, and someday we shall be free from the very presence of sin when nature is delivered from bondage in Romans 8. Yeah, we're delivered from the power of sin, aren't we? We are delivered from the power of sin. You do not, let to, you do not need to let go and let Satan have dominion in your life. Living holy is living happy. When you live holy, you have this clean conscience that, God, wow, you are so powerful. The reason why people don't want to go to church like this is they don't want to hear about what they're doing wrong. They only want to hear good, fluffy things that make them feel good when they leave. But the truth of the matter is, you can't feel good about yourself if you don't understand the goodness of God. He doesn't just zap us. He says, there's no condemnation. There's none. What's perhaps the most interesting thing about verse 1 that I love is that 
when you read the verse in the Greek, Paul wrote it, he used a different word order. When the New Testament writers wanted to emphasize a particular word, they'd put it in the first part of the sentence. That was their way of saying, this is important. And so you notice this, pay attention to it. In the Greek, the first word is not therefore. The first word is not there. The first word is not is. The first word is not now. In the Greek, the first word is no. Because the writers wanted us to understand there is absolutely no condemnation. Do you know what I believe is driving young people in the millennial group away from God faster than anything else? It's condemnation. They say they don't want to condemn anybody else, but they condemn everybody that condemns them or makes them feel condemned. Do you understand that? Because I grew up in the Baptist church. A lot of people feel condemned. And they already feel condemned in life by their looks, by their intellect, by their athletic ability, or anything else. They're already condemned. They're already condemned by culture. In a culture that we live in, says, let all the transgenders use the bathrooms and all this other stuff. And this week it was, it was buffalo, wild wings. Some people wanted to hear the national anthem played before um, the game started and the bartender refused or the waiter refused to allow it to be paid. He, played the, he said there was company policy against it. And one man said, I will never, ever eat at another Buffalo Wild Wings. And then they came out and said, that is not our company policy. That was just what that waiter said. I think it's high time Christians start being vocal about what we believe. Not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the Baptist boy in me and the Baptist girl in my wife. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's way more powerful than sin. Way more powerful. You're feeling down? You're feeling like, I don't have great victory in my life? Remember, the very first word in Romans chapter 8 is no condemnation, none whatsoever. <clears throat> if I could explain what it doesn't mean, I'd try to tell you what I think it does mean. He's not saying there is therefore now no cause for condemnation. He's straight up saying there is no condemnation. If you know anything about yourself and you know anything about your spouse and you know anything about your kids, and you know anything about other people, you understand this. There's definitely cause for condemnation. Oh, you could dress yourself up really nice. You could put the best clothes on and take a nice shower and put all kinds of cologne on, but the fact of the matter is that there is cause for condemnation. But there is none. That should set us all free. You know what happens when we understand that? This is what happens. Sin loses its punch. It loses the excitement. So many kids want to go out and do something to prove that they're free from all the rules and all the regulation and all the things that God does to make them feel guilty. And God says, but you're not going to be happy out there. It's a pig pen, right? It's a stinky old pig pen. I grew up on the farm. I know what the pig pen is. 
Hogs have only one thing in mind. They're a lot like dogs. Eat. It seems like our dog, Bella, our little dog, all she cares about is food. Nothing else matters. Food. She comes to me all the time because Becky says, table scraps are horrible. They're going to make her so fat and she'll die young. And I just wait till Becky's not looking today. Just <laughs> feed her stuff off the table. Dogs have a way of understanding who feeds them. Hmm, they do. We could sit down at the kitchen table today and there will be four chairs there. And Josiah and I and Becky all have our assigned seat. Isn't that weird? Because that's how you are in church. You come to the same spot all the time. They always sit there. She always sits up here. They always sit there. They, they own those seats. Swindles usually sit with them, but they're probably having some kind of feud right now. So, no. <laughs> Not? No. They love each other. So we have these assigned seats. The dog, our dog, takes the empty chair and faces me. And then she reaches over with her paw. She well, I mean, if you know anything about Japanese chin dogs, because everything in our house has to be Asian. <clears throat> Japanese chins reach over with their paw, and she's just long and lanky, and she'll fall off the chair sometimes. <laughs> Josiah, our son, takes little pieces of meat or things, meat or things, that sounded weird, puts them out of the table, on top of the table where she probably can't quite reach it. It's awesome. Just, just a speck away. Do you know that's how the devil is? So think about your, your children today. The devil likes to put things just out of your reach. So it makes you so desirous of stretching to get that. And then it doesn't satisfy at all. It quickly loses its power. Oddest thing is, we were hungry this morning and we'll be hungry tonight. Some of you are hungry right now, right? It's hard for me to understand why God would be so good to offer no condemnation. He's not saying there's no cause for condemnation. There's no struggle for condemnation. There's no stumbling in the Christian walk. He's saying, therefore, now, no condemnation, no punishment, no coming into judgment, no penal servitude for the follower of Christ. That's what he's saying. Verse actually does a double take. It's the emergency exit, Mark Batterson says, if only in our lives, and the main entrance to what if. You're standing at this door, and you know above the door it says no condemnation. And you look at your life and you say, things would have been a lot better if only we hadn't done this, if only I hadn't done that, if only I had the different parents, if only I wasn't a missionary's kid. If only this and if only that, if only I hadn't married that girl, if only I hadn't done this, that, or the other thing. And God is saying, you need to realize when you stand at the door and God is actually knocking on your door and you open that door that says no condemnation and you walk through it as you look back, it says to those that are in Christ Jesus. 
there's no condemnation. You gotta be in Christ. You have to know, if you feel powerless in your efforts to live the godly Christian life, you might actually ask yourself, well, am I even saved? Which is a word that's not used much anymore. Everybody shies away from being saved or giving invitations. But you actually have to have had a moment in time, a point in your life, where you actually realized you're lost, condemned, I honestly think this, that people that struggle constantly with condemnation must not really understand God. And maybe they're not even saved. If you understand condemnation at all, you know this. Condemnation comes from the enemy. You agree? Condemnation comes from the enemy. Condemnation does not come from God. And the enemy can work through us. That is the one thing that I hated about the Baptist church more than anything. Constant condemnation. They analyze. Overanalyze everything. What you're wearing. What you look like. How you talk that this isn't deep enough for you. It isn't wide enough for you. Blah, 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 blah. The bottom line is this. One day, all of us will stand before God, and the only ones that are going to get in are the ones that have understood no condemnation. In Christ. Only ones going in. Not style of music, not style of services, not what I wear, not this, not that. And so if you're adding anything to God's simple plan of salvation, you're being used by the enemy. It's simple. In my mind, it is. It's very easy to understand. Every tennis legend who ever played at Wimbledon on center court has walked under an inscription at the player's entrance with a prophetic message to both the winner and the loser. It says this, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat these two imposters just the same. It's a big if, isn't it? It's a big if. Becky and I have had this conversation in the last couple of weeks, big time. When you find out that you have cancer, many people will say, what do you think God is trying to teach you? I've shared that many times. I had this major cyst growing on my spleen didn't know about it, and I had to go in and have surgery on it. It was very, very, very frightening because they didn't know if they could get it without it exploding and instantly killing me. And when I woke up from my surgery in the ER, or in the, not in the ER, in the um, intensive care, my youth pastor was standing at the end of the bed, and the first thing out of his mouth was, what do you think God's trying to tell you? Listen to me. Nobody wants to hear that. Let God tell them that. See, that's, that's a form of condemnation. When we say, what do you think God's trying to tell you? All, all I can think to myself is, you are condemning them. You must leave them to God. God is way better at doing things than we are. And this is a, this is a fact. And my wife said, I know that I'm healed. And, I, and she believes that. You know she does. You know Becky. And I say to her, and even if you're not, God is still good. Yeah. 
And even if you're not healed, and if even, if, even if he doesn't come back to God, and even if she doesn't get saved, and even if your child doesn't come home to God, God is still good all the time, isn't he? Because we live in a, a church that's consumed with the thought of condemnation rather than the goodness of God. Love does win. I never liked it at all when Rob Bell said it. What I couldn't distinguish between him and the phrase was that love wins is true. It's just that there has to be a little more than just love. There has to be an understanding that you can't know love if you don't know Jesus. You can't understand love. You could stand at the door all the, all the while you want, and it could say no condemnation over the top of the door. But the fact of the matter is, on the other side, looking back, when you go through, is this sign above the door that says, only to those that are in Christ Jesus. If you're constantly in a state of condemnation, you might want to think about what's going on. Do you know, the Jewish people leveraged their door frames as a daily reminder of God's sovereignty. They needed him. A specially trained scribe used indelible ink and a special quill pen to inscribe on a parchment, the Shema, the most important prayer in Judaism. The parchment that was then rolled up and placed inside a special case called the mezuzah. It was hung on every door as a constant reminder, a sacred reminder. We need to leave ourselves sacred reminders all the time, don't we? I gave you a verse I meant for the be passed out last week. And it says right there, Romans 8, 1. There is now therefore no, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Learn it. Put it on your refrigerator. You'll learn eight verses during the course of this series. Put it on your refrigerator because it's going to be in your toolbox. There you go, bud. In your toolbox, on your dashboard, wherever. Yeah, if you need to stay away from the refrigerator, put it on the toolbox. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good idea. Because if you open the door, that door there is condemnation. <laughs> yeah, trust me on that one. If you're opening the door to the refrigerator, I guarantee you it's going to be condemning. Understand that? Yeah. I lost my train of thought. You got to have reminders in your life. You need to be reminded about who God is constantly. He's not this mean dad up in the sky. He's a loving father that never gives up. My wife and I often talk about our own daughter, Danielle, and how she doesn't come to church, and we pray about it all the time. We are forced to pray and not condemn because condemnation will only drive her further. You are in a position right now this morning, because I need to stop. You are in a position this morning right now to ask yourself, do I feel a condemning spirit coming over me? Because when you feel condemned, you condemn. Because hurt people hurt people, right? The condemning person is the one that always feels condemned, and so they have to come to church and find what's wrong with the scenario rather than what's right with the scenario. Rather than finding what's wrong with the other person, find what's right in the other person. Rather than looking at your spouse negatively, thank God that somebody's willing to put up with you, right? 
There's a whole different approach on it. Rather than coming today and having been gone for a while and seeing yourself drifting away this summer from God, look at it this way. You're here. You're here. And God knows that we need him. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Close your eyes a moment. The praise band is going to come. Okay. Because, because the Baptist preacher in me wants to give everyone an opportunity to think about what we've talked about today. You know that you, please be careful, you guys. You know that you struggle with even knowing and whether you're going to heaven or not whether you're actually going to spend eternity in this place called heaven. You struggle with that. You've never, ever had a moment in time, a day, a, a place that you can remember where you asked Christ to save you. That's you. You came here this morning by God's design. And you'll raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Anyone in this room? I don't know that if I died today, I would go to heaven. Anyone, this is your opportunity to know for certain. There's someone right there. We need a lady to help her understand that. Do we have one? Yeah, okay. Thank you. Anyone else? This is your day. God brought you here. You do not understand how much God loves you and today, God wants to, to show you, I care about you, I love you. Accept what I've done on the cross as your payment for sin, and you will be free. Anyone else in the room besides this lady? Anyone else? What about a Christian? You come in the room this morning, you've drifted away, and you know it. And so in some ways, you feel condemned. And God's Holy Spirit's talking to you, saying, just accept that I love you. Come on home. Come on home. Spend time with me again. Come back. Come back home. And you'll raise your hand right now. Drifted away a little bit, but I'm coming back. Yes? Anyone else? Yes? Anyone else? We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to sing.